Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. Today, we are talking the blade itself, uh, the second part of the blade itself. I think it's only two parts, uh, but regardless, this the is the, the this is right. the only uh, this is the last part of this podcast about the blade itself. If part one was the hilt, this is the blade <laughs> itself. I am Craig, your host. Over there, we've got Ryan. Say hi, Ryan. Hey, everybody. And Ken. Hi, Ryan. Well, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Ken doesn't care about yeah, the rest of us. Screw you at he home. Said, he said, "Say hi, Ryan." I... <laughs> anyway, so uh, I want to remind everybody: go to thelegendarium.com to check out full. Uh, no, sorry, that's a different show that I run, not full show notes, because uh, you don't get full show notes, any of you. Uh, no, but you can get <laughs> get links to past episodes. You can get uh, all of that organized by author by. Um, uh, book series, whatever. So that's all at thelegendarium.com. You can also get the Discord link to join the conversation and the Patreon link if you enjoy what you hear here. Uh, I'm still really confused about that, but we do have uh, quite a few patrons and I really, really appreciate that. It's um, a never-ending source of um, amazement and amusement to me. So thank you, everybody. Uh, Ryan, Ken, The Blade it's Itself, us. Joe Abercrombie, book one of whatever this is called what's it called the, the blade first law. itself the first law oh the first, first law trilogy. trilogy right book, book one of uh the first, the law, first law trilogy, trilogy yeah. which is it's actually a uh <clears throat> it's a topic i want to take up with you not yeah. now but the naming convention and numbering convention of this series which i have not read beyond book one okay so we're we're talking about where i'm at with the series uh but i want to talk about uh, I have a bit of a bone to pick with the fact that this is called The Blade Itself, book one of this trilogy, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but before we get to that, Ken, apparently you have some kind of professional, very professional, so, very efficient recap. For so it. super professional. It's right here. It's okay. right here. Here it is. And it starts out because I was very excited about this. Now we're getting somewhere. It's part two and uh, we got stuff happening because part one we had... No stuff happening. Now we do. Baez, Logan, and crew make their way into the big city where Baez plans to take an open seat on the King's Close Council or Small Council or Tiny Council Week. I don't remember what it's called. It's it's small. And we get a couple of pages to see Logan's first experience with civilization, wandering wide-eyed and gaping through Adjua like some stranger in a strange land, grokking all the things. It's a Heinlein reference. Meanwhile, the Mercer's Guild has been torturously torn down and by some uh, and some nefarious shadowy bank is nefariously pulling the strings from the shadows. But it's more important for Inquisitor Glockter to discredit the charlatan claiming to be the legendary Magus. Only one minor sticking point, Bias actually has the credentials. So that's, As we uh, learn at the very end of the book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in, in full disgusting pink misty fashion. He, he uses his magic to help our young dueling dandy Giselle claim the grand championship of the big dueling tournament. Sure, he's kind of an entitled turd who would rather do it the least amount possible on his way to glory he supposedly deserves. But one fight with Artie has him actually trying for a change. And it turns out that he's a pretty boss dueling machine that even Adolin Kalin would envy. That's for you, Ryan. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. I disagree go. with it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was going to say. Uh, you know. <laughs> So now with Glockter questioning his mandate and Giselle all puffed up with dueling prestige, they're both in prime position to follow Baez and Logan into the house of the maker. More like the house of M.C. Escher, am I right? Am I right? 
Yeah. Well, they gawk. They nearly get themselves nearly ignorantly killed, and eventually they make their escape with some strange MacGuffin in tow. It's just in time for the big war to get going. Adju is heading north to fight the northern barbarians for reasons. The armies head north. Baez and his band set out for some super important secret mission. Dogman and the boys do something to get all fighty and then we finally get to see what all the fuss is about with logan who goes full bloody nine in prolonged vivid impressive detail to protect girl savage who is going with them for some reason and who is totally not going to bone logan later i'm just pharaoh pharaoh that's her name thanks for that one by the way ken Uh, it's uh really appreciate your a very uh mature adult reference to sex i just call it like i see it yeah uh, yeah i that presents a whole new set of problems, <laughs> but okay. All right. So anyway, one guy who wasn't going north is Glockter. No, no. He gets to return to where he was captured and tortured to root out the corruption and disloyalty, but at least he gets a promotion and a bigger team of practicals. So that's, I guess, nice. So, all right. Three questions. So uh, with apologies to Brad Pitt, what's in the box? Did they say? Did I miss no, it? Okay. There's nothing in the box. The box I, is- I would like actually formally to apologize to Brad Pitt for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, correct me if I missed it, but we never did get to see Giselle's duel against the big tattooed man, right? Correct. That, didn't, Cor- that did, never occurred. That was supposed to like happen it, yeah, the next was, day. Okay. Let's come back to that. Okay. All right, question Stick number a pin three. In that one. Number three. Did Colin West make the biggest turn from good guy to bad guy in literature history with that tossing his sister across the I am sure that no other author in the history of literature has ever done a heel turn quite like that. Yes, you're right. <laughs> that was it. That was the biggest one in the history of ever. Wow. All right. And okay. hey, uh, Logan is still alive. Uh, oh, that's end. true. Yeah, yeah. And recap. Yeah. No, it, that's uh, that, the uh, I'm still alive thing, really, like, that kicked into high gear in that final chapter or two right oh, that, in that chase scene is dude, just constant that scene with so. the with the practicals holy smoke yeah. <laughs> that was some good carnage writing of fighting right there um okay ken what was your first question what's in the box uh, what's, what's in, the, in box? the box okay nothing nothing <laughs> okay. he, he do, says do we know that yes oh okay i thought oh. you were spoiling something no, for me i was Baez, about to get really upset Baez why do we take it me? then because they need it to carry what they're going to go get. Oh. And that's what Baez okay. is saying. It's, okay. This is where, so Ryan, you were saying last time, I actually did my homework a little bit this time. I went back and listened to our first episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and you were talking about how much this series benefits from a reread. Mm-hmm. And that's the exactly the sort of thing that I would think of, where now that you say that, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess I kind of remember that. But if you had asked me what they went into the tower for, not a clue. Yeah. If you would have said there was a box, I would have gone, oh, yeah. Oh, what was in that box? I don't remember. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, so It doesn't feel like in this, in your initial read through, it doesn't feel like a major plot because you're expecting them to go and usually be like, we're going to go get the sword of truth or the, you know, crystal of righteousness or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> And no, they go and they get a box. Like that's just for. Oh man, you, know, you should really write these, Ryan. I will. All right. I'm going to be honest. Just... I read through it twice, and I knew they were going in for the box, and I still didn't catch why. Yeah. Like, okay. It's so I, I actually feel like uh, before before we get to kind of listener questions and also Ken's other questions, which I think are legitimately uh, good uh, diving points for wow. discussion. How about that? Um, Mark it on the calendar. Jeez. <laughs> I feel like I should quit now while I'm behind. I, I feel like the tower scene really kind of encapsulates this book as a whole, mm-hmm. which is to say that it's full of interesting characters mm-hmm. having interactions, 
it's an interesting locale, memorable, you know, in its aesthetic. Um, and something is going on and we have no idea what that thing is. We're not going to know. Just keep reading. Just keep trusting. Just keep swimming. You right? realize that at a certain point you'll look around and went, how did we get here? And there were no stairs. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Which, was- yeah. Uh, anyway, do, but does that make sense? Like yeah. this, I, I kind of talked about this in the last episode where, you know, the, the book is, it feels aimless. And this tower scene is like the perfect encapsulation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something the readers brought up or the, the people on Discord brought up too, is that book one is basically the setup for book two, which is the setup for book three. And it just kind of goes like that. So yeah, we're going to get there. Keeping in fact, that in you know mind, what? Let's, you know. let's go ahead. Let's just get there right now. This is what I, I wanted to put a pin in and come back to is kind of um, there. there's a, <laughs> how should I put this? I see fantasy literature as, you know, like I'm not, I'm not sure quite how far to blow this out. Like Webster's do I, jacket. Do I go all the way to 30,000 feet or, you know, whatever. Um, but, but in book series like this, it is established that you have book one and then you tell the, you continue the story in book two and then you, and so on and so forth. But there's this idea that, okay, but each book should have uh, something approximating a beginning, middle, and end. There needs to be an arc, uh, not only for the plot, but also for the bulk of the characters involved, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, This is kind of the standard structure. Uh, Okay, this should be unremarkable as an observation. This book says, well, f*** you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're not not gonna do that. Um, and I'm not sure how I feel about this mm-hmm. only because now, okay, I want to be careful. I want, I want to be, uh, yes, careful with my words here because what I mean is I, I'm not sure that I love that because of the expectation setting of the genre as a whole. And so you pick up the blade itself, book one of the what's what's it? first law trilogy. Yes, I swear I know what this this stuff is called. Uh, but you pick up book one and you're like, oh man, okay, so book one, let's let's get into it. Let's see, well, you know, how this baby ends, um, and you know how it's gonna hook me in for book two. But no, this is the prologue. It's barely even act one. Like I'm not sure if I would even call it an act one, <laughs> a certain to a certain extent. Where it's all prologue, it's all set up. There's so little payoff. In fact, I, I'm struggling actually as I say this to think of is there any payoff in this entire book? I don't believe that there is now that I think about it. The, I guess, okay, maybe the one exception would be the tournament. Tournament, I was gonna say Giselle and the tournament. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, and so there's a, a significant part of me that wants to go like back in time and revisit when this series was published and if possible just say no we're calling this the first law part one Mm -hmm. and it's 700 pages and it's part one next book the first law part two uh or something along those lines or you know put a put an author's note in the beginning or something just to set some expectations because i will say as much as I've enjoyed this book, and I have, I, I've really enjoyed it. I am looking forward to it. I love his writing. I like characters a lot. You know, there, there's a lot going in here that's pulling me forward. Uh, but I was, to be honest, continually frustrated by the lack of any resolution to any storyline. 
Is that is that fair? Yeah. Is that okay? Absolutely. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, Ken, you're not wrong. <laughs> how how far are you in the series? I know you've read. This I finished book. through this book. I haven't started the next one yet. Okay. I typically try to try to hold until we start until we get until there. we finish the discussion on the yeah. current book. Yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> but not Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan's like whatever. I I'm going again. So have you really? Is this yeah. so? This is your third time. Well, no, we talked about this last time. Is this your fourth time through this book? No, this would be this would be three. Three. Okay. Well, anyway, Ryan, I, I'm curious. You go ahead and react to what I'm saying. How do you feel about this? No, I think it's a it's a very real criticism because look, yeah, look at it from the perspective of someone who isn't planning on reading the full trilogy, isn't anything like that, and they're like, oh. Let me just I'm recommend a book to you. Use this as a get to get a taste of Joe Abercrombie. Yeah, I cannot hand you this book and let you finish it and go, hmm, that's a full story because it's it it's not it's not. Yeah. There is an arc there and like it's the launching point into book two is like, oh yeah, we finished everything in this region and now it's time to move on to another region, but not plot point wise. Right. Like okay, yeah, we've wrapped our Adua story. Now we're gonna send Glockta off to. Um, Shoot, uh, space that uh, it's up in the north, the right? Um, Glockter's going south. Oh, he's going south. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. But so he's going off that way, and they're going off north. So we're going to different regions for book two. Um, like it's that's as close to a completion arc as you finished all the side quests in one area <laughs> on your open world map. Okay. I love that. I love that. Like that's kind of where we're sitting with that, and I so it is a it is a very real thing to be aware of. Um, complaint is like I can understand like if we, if your expectations coming in are is to have a full story that we're used to like that yeah it's complaint it's, but if you're probably like if I was recommending this series to someone I would make sure to let them know you are reading one story over three books mm -hmm. that will not cleanly close off in ends of one and two right and I, I do want to be clear that I'm not complaining about the story that I'm being presented with, it's more that I'm complaining about the way that it's presented because yeah. it's, it's being presented as another fantasy trilogy that, uh, you know, you, you've, you dear reader have read dozens of these in your life. Here's mm. another one. And it's like, right. no, 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 no. <laughs> this is structured so differently that it needs to be classified differently in a way. Right. Um, so, you know, if anybody loves this book um, and then complains that it takes the hobbits 100 pages to get out of the Shire, <laughs> I'm just going to tell them to shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so it, that's that's kind of what it reminds me of is uh, we got to the end of this book and it's like, OK, great. This is the end of chapter two of the Lord of the Rings when Gandalf is like, all right, I'm yeah. out of here. You go ahead and head off to Rivendell on mm -hmm. your quest uh, yeah, or something like that. You know, you I say that, but it did. I did feel very Lord of the Rings in this book. You know, as as they were doing all Which of these is things. Really funny. It is funny that considering it's this is written to be it's yeah. the anti Lord of the Rings. Yeah, not like not like a Lord of the Rings is terrible, but it's like here's what Lord of the Rings that like the the good and evil side of things, and we're just gonna say no gray area. Yeah, right. everything lives in the gray area. area. But so. it still feels very. Lord of the Rings, like oh, the the band is set. Now off we yeah, go, and now right. you know. Well, anyway, I uh, I looked over just now at our Discord questions because we did get some questions, and Sir Ravis, <laughs> I for, I legitimately forgot about this. Sir Ravis says, 
How does the Blade itself compare as a first book in a trilogy compared to other series? Does it seem like a complete story or more like an extended <laughs> prologue for the next books? Well, I hope yes. we answered that question for you. Well, yes. Um, but I'm curious, do you guys have um, any bullet points or the things that you want to bring up before I move on to other um, uh, Discord questions? I really wish I had pulled some quotes because as I've been listening through this, there are some really great quotable discussions between different characters uh, and and going through I I love these characters so much and anytime we get into more philosophical discussions or bias teaching or whatever it is I it is just incredibly enjoyable to hear them talk about things because there's plenty of there's I don't know how much in this book so I don't really and I'm not really spoiling anything but some of the political discussions that are had, the you know the views like Logan's very simplistic view of the world and him trying to be a good man, you know things like my father always said, uh, uh, it's better to do something than than to live with the fear of it. You know, simple little right uh, isms. I don't know what the right word is. I no, I remember that moment and, and aphorism <laughs> maybe aphorism aphorism. aphorism so. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of those and a lot of them are repeated. Like his the. Yeah, I'm still alive is kind of a running gag, uh, his his thing. But there is a lot of moments where he writes these little things where it's like, that's really, that can be really profound. I, do I agree with it? That's really profound. Mm. Really cool. I don't know. Yeah, I, some, it's at least interesting to to think about. No, I remember that moment. Um, you know, it's it's better to just go ahead and do it because that's uh, it's the procrastinator's issue and yeah. who has two thumbs and is a massive procrastinator. This guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and I definitely know that feeling of when you start on a, a project, you know, or something you don't really want to do. You need to do the dishes. Let's clean the bathroom, whatever. Once you start, it's like, oh, you know, this isn't that bad. Took me 25 minutes, whatever. Um, but the, it's just but the like, getting started. Oh, I yeah. don't want to do this. And oh, it's going to ruin my life if I actually do a chore <laughs> or, you know, it, it, this works for any any job really or whatever i don't know it ties but. into a there's another quote i actually i had it on my desk for a little while and i realized it probably wasn't the most uh, positive message to have on the desk at work or whatever but uh i hate my boss and everything they stand <laughs> for yeah. no uh it's did you have a bad day or did you have a bad five minutes that you milked all day <laughs> yeah. like, nice that one it's just kind of it there's those quick little things like that moment there it's interesting also to watch how those little thought processes, like that's one of Logan's core ones. We don't get a lot of time with Dogman and the rest of, the, of that crew right now, but to see that they carried Logan's philosophies with them from their time mm-hmm. being under him, because yeah. they'll quote that same thing as Logan would always say, it's better to just deal with the thing than to live with the fear of it type stuff. It's, it's interesting to watch how those things have spread and the effect that these characters have had on the world around them. Right, right, and on the other characters, yeah. Yeah. Ken, uh, it looked like you had something you wanted to... History is littered with dead good men. Well, we talked about that in the first part. (laughs) Yeah, I just love that quote. I just, I saw it again and I wanted to... I I would say, actually, I was thinking about that line because I went back and listened to our first episode. I was thinking about that line again um, and because it's a great line, like it's, it definitely, it, it hits pretty hard. But it it didn't really sit well with me 
when I read it the first time or heard it the first time because I was doing audiobook. Yeah. Um, and when you say it now, I, I get that same like, ooh, uh, ooh. And the more I thought about it after listening to our episode and thinking about that line, the more I think that line, at least in this book, I, I don't know where the series is going to go, but at least in this book, that line probably encapsulates more than any other what it means that this is grimdark. So we've had some violence and we've had some, you know, morally gray characters or outright bad people, (laughs) you know, that we're following around. Um, And, you know, those are some hallmarks of grimdark. But I think it's that idea. History is littered with, what is it? History Uh, is littered with dead good men. With dead good men. Um, This idea that that there's there's no point good men don't change anything that you know like if you you're a sucker if you're a good person and you're not going to accomplish anything you're not going to change anything you're not going to move anything forward um i would say as of right now and and sorry as of right now that line is the most grim dark thing in the book um and again, it, it, maybe it'll get, you know, more blatant as we go forward. Yeah. But I, I, that actually disturbs me more than any of the violence we've seen so far. Yeah. And does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It reminded me of a line. Did you guys see Firefly back in the Yeah, I saw about half of it. Um, there was a line. Was, and I just got a. About, oh wow that was 12 emails just hit my inbox wow already okay <laughs> wow that was fast uh there was there was an episode where they go to a planet and they the people on the planet built a statue to jane who was not a very good guy right <laughs> I do remember you see that, that? Yeah. and uh, in looking at that statue and going over the the moral um crisis of conscience as to why they built that statue and all that uh malcolm tells him uh, it's my estimation that everyone in or that every person they build a statue of was one kind of son of a bitch or another. <laughs> and I thought this kind of reminded me of that in the sense that, yeah, somebody in, in history might have been held up as a good person, but even those good people had something. Mm-hmm. You know, there was something in their past or something in what they did that is good through the lens of history, but might have been a little bit questionable at the time. Right. So, so yeah, also, you know, good people are suckers, but, but yeah, I think good people aren't necessarily always good either. Yeah. I think that's interesting because I do not interpret that uh, that way. That, the the yeah. line. The line that way. Yeah, no. that's, that's fine. I, yeah. I view it as they're uh, saying that being good will grant you no additional favors or protection. Sure. Like, yeah, that's that basically makes what sense. it is. It's like, you can be good if you want, just realize that... It, Good, bad, and different. The arrow will hit you either way. Like, and isn't that how uh, when we when we talk about grimdark, it's often set apart from you know traditional storytelling, so to speak. And but but this is the way that people talk about grimdark is that well, it's it's realistic. George Martin is writing a song of ice and fire in a realistic way. This is how people really act. This is how people really are. Um, and I think that's it's that kind of worldview that you're talking about like the the universe doesn't care how morally upright you are yeah right and yeah. i'm not sure where i come down on this like <laughs> as a as a metaphysical truism you know whether or not it is true that the universe cares 
Um, but but it, it troubles me as somebody who tries to be a moral person in yeah. some respect. It troubles me um, that, that this would be oh, the way that we want to consume stories. I like the idea of our stories trying to uplift us and pull us out of the muck and mire of kind of our animalistic sides, you know, yeah. and, and uh, the, the careless universe and all that stuff. Aspire um, to something better. Yeah. 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 Um, that being said, I, I don't think that, you know, this is, uh, you know, or, or George Martin or whoever. I, I don't think that that is an illegitimate type of story to tell. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I do like the traditional type of, hey, good does conquer evil. Be a good person. You know, don't yeah. be a dick. Which That's, I feel like is the whole point of stories is to give you a a reason to be a better person. I don't know. Or at least a model or, you know, something. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't mind Grimdark as a story necessarily, a Grimdark story per se. This story I enjoy and I don't think it's necessarily as grim or dark as it was sold. Maybe books two and three will or parts two and three of this book will get that way. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. um there's there's far there's far worse out there and there's definitely lesser. I feel like yeah. George Martin's uh, Song of Ice and Fire is far more grim for the sake of being grim. Have you and read it? I've read the first four. Oh, okay, all right. And uh, I I enjoyed it for the most part, but as I got through most of it, I went. I'm just sick of the constant everything is bad and it's always going to be bad and everybody's bad and this is just bad. Right, so, right. so suck it up and, you know, be cynical. And I, I don't want to, I want to believe that there's something, you know, I, I do think that there's a possibility that you can tell a story like this. Like, uh, uh, you know, if Martin ever finishes his story, we'll see where he goes with it. Um, but as you say, Ken, it is relentlessly downbeat. Yeah. Um, it is, it, it will, you can't consume Martin in either book or television form without kind of psychologically being pulled down into the mire. Right. right? right. It just does that to you, uh, which, which unfortunately does present its own kind of pleasures. Right. <laughs> and, but we're not going to dig into the psychology of, of George Martin right now. Um, but I do think that there's room for a story like this to be extremely powerful potentially by kind of living in that that uh muck and mire and then you know maybe it will there will be some turn in the story or some kind of um what what's the word tolkien uses you catastrophe uh, you know like by by making it so relentlessly dark it will make the light appear so much brighter or you know something along those yeah, lines there sure. I, I leave room for some kind of event i think that you have those moments in this book yeah like what i do um, I'm gonna I'm gonna t use Logan because he's the easiest example here. Um, by the time you finish this, you see him as the Bloody Nine. You get to see his darkest uh, yes. his history. You get to to know how how bad he has been to a certain extent. Okay? Right. You have followed him this entire book. Him trying to be the good man. Now, is it? Are you going to get the result of he's a good man? He's redeemed himself through his action, whatever. That doesn't feel like grimdark, like that's the thing. But the sh those little moments where Logan chooses to be a better man, to not be the bloody nine, mm -hmm. to do that things, those are the moments in grimdark that you grab a hold of and say that's that's the aspirational thing to continue trying, even though you have a, 
an overwhelming weight of history behind you that says otherwise. Kind of yeah. that that Viking concept of uh, Ragnarok maybe coming and you are going to lose, but you should fight anyway. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Logan has that. Giselle doesn't really... I have a harder time dealing with that with Giselle. Um, he's still a turd. I he's, hate Giselle. For now. For now. I, I reserve he, the right for him to be redeemed as something of value, but right now I just hate him. His reasoning... Uh, so th this is one of those things like everything good about Giselle is shallow and selfish to start with. Like, and I don't mean that as character, like even when he decides it's time to try and he's going yeah. to become this, the reason why yeah. is because I'll I, show her, I'll show her yeah, exactly. And I'm going to prove that or, and you know, I'm going to show her and then Glockta who gave the best pep talk ever. Yeah, you could be good. <laughs> you I, could. I will say this for Giselle. Which is that when he finally realizes that he's in love with... Uh, Artie. Artie. Art, Artie? Artie? Artie. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's audiobook. A audiobook Audie. says Artie. <laughs> it's A-R-D-E-E. -E. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to need to get some spellings off you guys because <laughs> I, I did audiobook, which uh, again, like I said on the first time around, it is not my preferred method. And this is why, because uh, names are a little tougher this way. Yeah. Um, anyway, when he finally realizes, oh, crap. I'm actually in love with her. Mm -hmm. I I quite enjoyed that moment for his character because it felt it felt quite realistic to me having gone through not the not the same thing but uh I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast when I realized I was in love with my wife, mm -hmm. uh, my future wife. <laughs> we, we'd been married for 6 years and it finally, finally dawned finally on me. Finally dawned on me. <laughs> no, I'm sure I there's was, a story uh, in there. I was I was in college at the time and uh, you know I was like we, we'd been getting to know each other for uh, several days at that point, like very intensely for several days. And, and uh, um, but she was dating my uh, friend at the time. And, uh, and so I like, I, you know, I was like, Oh, whatever. We're just you know, getting to know each other. We're friends or whatever. And then I'm walking to class and I've walked through the doors into the classroom and had a freaking panic attack. Um, luckily it was psych 111. So all, everybody there knew, exactly so, what to do for they were me, all but. excited to diagnose that yeah <laughs> no but i remember having a panic attack like uh, a mild one just like oh crap what am i gonna do uh, and kind of similar to is i i only tell that to just say yeah it kind of rang true to me where he's mm -hmm. going through this thing like oh no i am not in a position for this to be okay like yep. uh <laughs> this this isn't gonna end well for her for me for anybody and yet here i am um, and it's that moment that as much as he's a, just a, uh, like I said, a turd, he, he has the seed of something within him that could be, that could grow into a decent human being. Now, this being grimdark, I assume <laughs> that if that, if that seed doesn't kind of immediately take root and, uh, produce some kind of fruit, that it will be squashed into the mud and uh, he'll be an irredeemable jackass for the rest of the series. Uh, I'm not sure where we're going with this, but uh, but it but it was a, a nice moment for him. I liked it. I'm going to run with that assumption just because I want to. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> uh, all right. So Chesky, Chesky asks okay. us uh, from Discord, go to Discord. You can find it at thelegendarium.com, the link to the Discord server. Chesky asks us, any changed opinions from just the first half? Um, so from first half to second half, any changed opinions? I'm about. I don't the know book, about I, characters. About hey, anything. that's that's if what you I had said. An opinion and it changed. Well, I I said in the very first bit of my recap. Now we're getting somewhere because you know things are actually happening. I 
I feel like that was exciting. Um, I still really like Inquisitor Glockter as a character. Um, so no, the answer is no, because that didn't change. The question is, I guess did that anything didn't change. change for you? No, I'm trying I, to keep you on track. I feel here, like everything Ken. was just kind of reinforced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine, Ryan. You look, you look I amused. Can, I can't answer. <laughs> because this is why it, I don't read ahead. Wait yeah. until book three. It would it would be a spoiler. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on to Tom and Corn. That is the name. <laughs> I like this. Discord uh, names are the best. I don't. I, I think this is a new person to the Discord. So welcome and thanks for uh, for submitting the question comment. Abercrombie's depiction of a Viking slash barbarian esque North is my favorite of any book I've read. But I feel like his other countries are really just cut and paste. Did you like the depictions of the countries you saw, or would the book be improved by more North? Um, Did I I've got to say this is it actually reminds me of Chesky's question in the last episode. He was asking, "What? Do you, who's your favorite character from the the crew?" And at that point, we had had precisely one scene with the crew, yeah. um, and I kind of feel that way about this question from Tom and Corn. <laughs> I love that <laughs> from Tom and Corn. Um, I I just I haven't seen enough to know. Uh, we've only seen kind of just the one city and then snippets from elsewhere. I haven't gotten to know enough of uh, of any of these countries really, except for the city that we we start in. I don't yeah. know. The yeah. like I said, this this section, this book is Adua, and we have characters from the north that are kind yeah. of there that are there, and we have the Gurkish. I do have to laugh a little bit. I've in the past, you know, we've given Tolkien crap for Mount Doom and other naming conventions, but the place to the north. Where all the wild people are from is Angland, <laughs> or just north of Angland. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, that's fine. And the people to the south that we haven't really met yet are the Gurkish, like, <laughs> like the Turkish, Tur- like. <laughs> and that- when you start to get their descriptions, it's like, oh yeah, you didn't really stretch very far, <laughs> did you? Ever right. And we'll make that a G and that an A. So is this is this the horse and his boy all over again? <laughs> so is is Adua right in the middle in Padua? Is that? Yep, pretty much. Is that what we're saying? Okay. And he's just like, I've, this, and this already works. It's, it's, it's a legend of, of England and everything else. But I, that is the one thing that is, I, it's, I laugh at it, but I'm also appreciative of it that uh, this world is recognizable as our world. As some kind of Europe-ish. Yeah. And the geography matches to the civilizations that were there. The the Northmen would be your Scottish, your those yeah yeah the Viking the kind of Celts Celt yeah. group that would be there, and their traditions and everything fits that. So oh, are they Vikings? I I kind of read them as Celts, but I, well, but again, we haven't really seen much of them yet. I, I would say so. Celt is probably more accurate. Okay, um, but yeah. that's it's been a while since I've read up on my latest in the Vikings. <laughs> Let me go play God of War and see how things go. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, that'll help you get your history really <laughs> nailed yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like it's like reading sh- or uh, playing Shadow of Mordor and being like, yeah, I know how Mordor works. Uh huh. I kind of read, <laughs> I kind of read Logan as a Viking. I guess typically when I hear barbarians, I just think Vikings. Actually, I think yeah. I would go Scottish, the Celts. Like that's yeah, okay. That's fine. It's either way. Uh, we'll learn more about it, and uh, one of us will fail to do homework and present it in the next episode. And somebody will yell at us. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. that's fine. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's go on. We've talked. Uh, I'm I'm looking at some other questions, comments here. We've talked about that one from Tom and Corn. 
Lady Sweden asked about Grimdark thing. We kind of talked about that already. Uh, but Lady Sweden also says, how cool was that weird tower? Is there anything else about the tower we want to... The House of the Maker? Yeah, the House of the Maker. Anything else that we want to or slash can talk about with the House of the Maker, Ryan? There's a, The House of the Maker is so, so cool. Um, but your first time through your experience as a reader is very much mirrored of the people who are walking through it. Where it's just like, what is this? What is going on? And you, it's like I, I don't, I don't exactly get what's going on. But as you come back through it, and you understand the story of Canadius more, the master maker, who's yeah, says, let's, yeah. You start to go through and look at it, and you realize there's, you know, they have the there's a door that must that remains locked. You know that there's a guard that's been there the whole like, right? There's, there's, the, there's, yeah. Oh yeah. There's a whole bunch of little elements. Um, realizing how does this tower work because it's you know stealing from any other number of side things it's like a room of requirement or a tardis or, or anything like what was it the house of uh, the house escher. of mc escher yeah. Yeah. yeah i pictured it like the the final scene in labyrinth you know where there's just picture, stairs going everywhere i don't and, picture anything as the final scene in labyrinth sorry well they go through like the, the thing is, if you think about it and you look at it, and when you understand, again, like I said, once you understand a little more of the story of Canadius, the master maker, this is a master craft of a craftsman, not a magician. Right. And so there's like these rings that are spinning around up there that you can envision just like the like the solar system type things that are... Yeah. You know, you've got that that's rotating around. And as they're traveling through any number of terrible things that can happen... Um, you know, Baez is very protective of everybody when they're, and they're like, no, don't go wandering off. You will die. This is terrible. It's a very dangerous place. And then, yeah. like, I, I joked about it earlier, but Glockta gets up there and he has the realization that Giselle didn't have, that no one else had, like, how are we this high up? There are no <laughs> stairs. I, I had the realization before he said something, which made it really satisfying when he finally said something. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's the house of the master maker is one of my favorite aspects just in terms of visuals and yeah, yeah okay. cool elements in this in the book um i 100 percent agree with that it was uh, a delightful chapter in so many ways um if i were writing this book or editing this book or you know beta reading this book <laughs> i might have suggested um as you said ryan we're put in the position of all these characters who are going through the tower now we talked in the last time uh the last episode about how Baez is not a pov character we don't get to live inside his head that's fine but the other characters we do live through them or we do experience the story through their eyes and one of the things that really frustrated me in that scene was i could i could see the kind of the mythology of the tower and the maker versus the the magi and there's there's some cool story stuff going on in the background well if i'm experiencing this story through the eyes of a giselle or a you know whoever else goes up in the galacta goes up in the tower they know these stories and at this point at the end of this book or at the end of just that scene whatever i as a reader don't have any idea what's going on with those stories mm -hmm. they just in their own minds they're like oh yeah i know all about that well it was a little dissatisfying for me to feel like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I want to know what they know because I'm experiencing what they're experiencing. And I couldn't quite get into their mindset um, as fully as I would have liked to. And I, you know, it's, it's very clear as I'm reading this book that 
that Joe Abercrombie is intentionally avoiding some of that exposition for effect. I get it. That's fine. But in this instance, uh, it was dissatisfying for me. Give me more. I think the only, because I do think the only storytelling element, because throughout this whole series, you will get a lot of the exposition of the history through Baez as the one who lived it. And right, that's, right. He'll have a moment, oh, we're sitting around a campfire. Time to expose it a little more. <laughs> yeah, just a tiny, tiny, tiny there we bit. Um, I think when, the, I could be wrong, I think in there, uh, he reminds them of the story of him throwing down the Master Maker after the Master Maker threw his daughter off the tower. And this is where the battle happened. Right. Like, and that's pretty much the extent of it is this is... There was something that happened here. Yeah, I and this is where I yeah this is where I threw down Canadius. But uh, what does that mean? It, yeah, it, there's no further explanation. But this yeah. is where that happened. Right, like, he, he's essentially a plaque. <laughs> 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 there. But yeah, but do you, do you get my point though? Like yeah. they all know what that means. They all grew up with those stories, and I have no idea what's going on. So yeah, you know, again, from a narrative perspective. Uh, you know, you want certain things about the story to unfold. And so you're not going to tell me right away as the reader. Uh, but then, you know, maybe give me a POV character. It, like, I, I, I'm trying to remember. Pardon me if I am misremembering. But Logan might have been a good POV character for that scene. And he wasn't at all. I think it was Glockta and Giselle that we yeah. got as POVs in the tower. But Logan might not have grown up with those same stories. I don't know for sure. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know enough about the world and its mythology and whatnot. But, uh, but he might not have grown up with the same stories. And so he might have been that would the have been better a nice, choice yeah, for the nice POV. POV character for the reader. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know. I don't know. I can I see know. that. He, here I go again. critiquing the guy who's sold millions of books. And, <laughs> you, know, whatever. you know, it would have made this better. <laughs> uh, but I guess that's a, kind of our job, isn't it? Ryan, what yeah. do you got? Uh, you, oh, sorry. You you looked like you were about to say something. Were you just yawning because you're so bored? No, I was just trying to. I I need to go back and review that chapter again, just for for a fourth time. Because yeah, I feel like it's one of the things where I feel like there's more there than we're giving him credit for. But that's only a feeling. I don't have right, sort of and that. it could be a reread feeling yeah. Yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, the last question here is from Yeti Beats who asks, uh, how much did you enjoy Baez's butt-naked murder of a man at the end? <laughs> <laughs> so, there we are. So this uh, this is the final scene in the book. And by scene, I mean it feels like chapters. It just goes yeah. on for a while. Yeah. Uh, but there's a whole thing where um, Logan and Pharaoh. Pharaoh are getting chased through the city by masked practicals okay practicals yeah, yeah I, I couldn't tell what they were um, I just knew they were getting chased down I, I didn't know why um, yeah salts and uh, yeah they were salts practicals right yeah. the girl that goes with Baez to actually technically Kirkland they're or wherever it is Kirkland <laughs> they're, they're, they're the Kirkland they're the Kirkland signature <laughs> Gurky, uh, I don't know. Since, since they're the Gurkish, I guess they're going to Gurky. I don't know. Cos but. Costco brand uh, assassins are chasing <laughs> them through the city and that's why there they, were so many of them they you know it, it's it's really intense yeah um and uh we get a lot of injuries especially to logan pharaoh seems to acquit herself quite well he's getting the crap kicked out of him just just by being chased around just in turn for the um, lights time for the light switch to turn on and unleash the bloody nine yeah yeah and so yeah exactly so he's about to die and he lets out his inner demon uh the bloody nine and just goes to town just 
murders everybody Goes around full, him. I do the killing. Um, Which it's it is a very interesting difference because I am working up to bias, by the way. But go yeah, on, Ryan. No, just realizing that the bloody nine is a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Right. It is not just he's really angry and bitter, or whatever. But there's literally a second, like a a second entity type right. thing that when it takes over. He doesn't feel pain right. anymore. Right, it's like, kind of tinged with green. Yeah, and uh, never mind. Yeah, Doctor uh, Logan and Mister Bloody Nine. <laughs> so anyway, so it was, I, I I just mentioned that because uh, yeah, it's it, it, okay. Now we're starting to get some real action, some real violence in this uh, grim dark book that's promised us all these things, right? And it's he goes ham in these chapters, um, and then they finally escape. Uh, these masked assassins, or at least they think they do, and they make their way back to their the the rooms, the headquarters where the group is kind of gathering. Uh, but then several of these assassins catch up to them, and they're like, "Oh crap! Well, <laughs> what are we gonna do now?" And Baez comes out of the bathroom. He was taking a bath. Man who likes his bath. <laughs> so he's he's uh, as Yeti Beats says, butt naked, and uh, <laughs> and he. He comes out and just casually vaporizes one of the assassins. Mm -hmm. And so this is, we, we've got a taste of the magic at the end of part one when he kind of like, what does he do? He bursts trees into flames. He kind of explodes part of a forest and shrapnels everybody yeah. to death, right? Yeah. Um, and that was interesting, but it wasn't, it wasn't direct magic on another human being, right? It was magic on trees that then killed people or something. I, I can't remember exactly what happened. But now we have Baez just with, I, I, I don't think he said any magic words or waved his hand or anything. It's just somebody just died. There's vaporized. A shimmer above his shoulders. Right. That's all you ever get in terms of his magic. Huh. A shimmer above his so, shoulders. So anyway, I, so I thought it was interesting, partly because, yeah, it, it's a cool visual. He comes out, he's naked, uh, you know, he's dripping soapy water. And uh, there's a great description of how this <laughs> should make somebody feel more vulnerable but somehow he seems more intimidating mm -hmm. because of all this. And then, yeah, somebody just pops. Um, and it was, uh, so what do we, what do we think? How much did you enjoy it? Um, I, I, I don't enjoy people getting vaporized per se, uh, but I enjoyed finally having a display of power. Um, it made me curious about what the magic is going to be like in future books. Um, and also what the violence is going to be like in future books. Um, cause if this is what we're getting, this is, this is like a single, um, Dumais Wells, uh, victim. So I'm not going to tell you what that reference is, uh, regarding just yeah. in case you haven't read it. Um, but it's, it's like a single victim of Dumais Wells. Um, well, what do future books have in store? So, and that, that's what both, sorry, <laughs> I keep going back and forth between these two things, but that's why I, I started answering this question by recapping what happened with Logan and Pharaoh, because they both kind of served the same purpose for me in showing what these characters are actually capable of. Um, for yeah. with Pharaoh, it's her um, it's her agility, her endurance, and her skill and speed. Um, and with Logan, it's his incredible uh, monstrous strength and um, will. His to, pure brutality. To kill. Yeah. Brutality, great word for it. Good job, Ken. Hey, um, I got a thesaurus. He's a tank. She's a rogue. <laughs> Something, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And then with Baez, his uh, his magic power. They, I, I feel like it 
it set up all three of those characters really well to make me curious about where they're going to head. It raises a really good question, though, because we've seen uh, Baez has used magic, I think, four-ish times in this book. Um, we have that first time with the... Or I should say, he's used magic apparently like four times because mm. uh, he also cheats in yeah. the tournament. Oh, right. He influences he Giselle. Giselle. Um, in that, and it's the question is, okay, anytime you have a very powerful magic wizard character, the question always ra- raises, well, why don't you just have them pop everyone then? Or why don't right. you just... So what are those limitations? What are what the is consequences? It, what are the consequences? Yeah. What's the price of doing this? Because they have already said it through his... Um, I believe it's through his... Uh, what is the word? <laughs> his apprentice. Apprentice. <laughs> apprentice, thank you. you know, all magic, it's getting a little all magic has a cost. His I don't know why I went Spanish. is like, his niño. And I'm like, that's not, that's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> like, his halfling? I don't know. Um, yeah, no. Um you know that there's a all magic has a price, all these things, and every time he re- encounters someone, one of the other magi, because we have meet another person. Oh right, the guy who led Pharaoh, Pharaoh out there. of the yeah. forest to um, begin with. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name now either. Yeah, there's a handful of, of tertiary, I guess those would be characters off the side that mm. are really cool. Other magi who've kind of popped in uh, there and have conversations with Baez on his level, where you get to watch and be like, oh, okay, what's what's going on there? What's what's going on here? That's cool. I expect that guy shows back up, um, but I don't. I don't know. He doesn't. I don't yeah. think. I don't think you're winning a lot of money on that bet. But no, yeah. but I'm. I just. I look at him and go. I don't know what your point is, but I'm sure that it will be. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will be established later. I, I, I could. You could ask that question of any number of characters or scenes or you know anything in this book. It's. It gets back to the whole aimless thing. Yeah. Um, if this were its own book. There would be no point to it. Remind me, were the Practicals trying to wipe out the band? Is that, or were they after Pharaoh specifically? Or I can't They're remember exactly trying, why they were there. Uh, Salt Salt wants to capture Baez and prove he's a fake. Right, and so it's basically go capture him, get and bring him in. And so uh, the other um, Inquisitor, not Glockta, but the one that he hates. Right. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, the one who gets embarrassed by all this. Yeah. And I can't remember his name. He goes, uh, Salt sends him, sends him and his and the practicals to basically go get them so we can prove that they're frauds and everything. Right, okay. Uh, Arch Lector Salt, without a doubt, is my least favorite character. Not because he's poorly written or anything, because I just genuinely hate that man and the way that he works and thinks. The way he conducts his business? Yeah. Yeah. Everything... Uh, this is the part where we bring up Andor and bureaucracy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that maybe another that, episode. That's like, another episode. If you open right up there. the can of Andor, we are going to be having a long episode here. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, the can of Andor. The can door. Hey, we'll put it right next to the crystal of righteousness. And- <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and call this one for today. Are, are you guys comfortable with calling this for now um, and leaving yep. it for book two? Um, good. I'll I'll say I was disappointed for the main character. We sure didn't get as much of Logan as I wanted. I'm sure that'll be fixed. You know, as a main character, I feel like he is. I feel like in every synopsis and all that, everybody talks about Logan Nine Fingers, and basically he's the guy who's supposed to drive the action. I feel like there was very 
comparatively little of him in the first book. And maybe I just went in with misplaced expectations. He's the only character so. I think that is actively trying to better himself, which probably oh, yeah. makes him the most uh, likable of the main characters. I feel mm. like he's supposed to be. But I guess, I guess that does bring up one final thing that I'll mention, which is the scene between uh, West and Glockta. Mm-hmm. Um, when Glock, West comes oh, to ask yeah. him for help and yeah. uh, Glockta says basically F you um, <laughs> you never came to visit me when I returned from the, oh, yeah, that the was a dungeons um, and West says actually I did your mother turned me away twice uh, and I, you know, she wouldn't let me see you and so I, I, I stopped trying after a while you know whatever and it, it, it changes Glockta's perception on a dime and he does yeah, i have he, a friend he, do, he uh does the thing that is so so difficult for any of us to do but i think is a valuable skill which is to change your mind yeah even if it's on the spot um it's a difficult thing to do to then immediately ask for forgiveness and you know and say i i thought i knew what was going on i didn't i apologize can you forget it um, and I, I loved that scene. Yeah, that uh, was a good one. Such a good moment. Anyway, so Glockta, very interesting character for that reason. And, and it, again, makes me wonder what he's going to do, what Abercrombie is going to do with uh, Giselle. And, you know, with him being a seemingly incurable dick, is he going to cure his... <laughs> Well, you know, never mind. Let's uh, all right. Let's let's leave that I'll right keep there. Keep digging with that phrase. Thanks everybody so. for listening uh, to this episode. <laughs> uh, head to thelegendarium.com for uh, the links to all the stuff. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, good, I guess. Uh, go and and check out the Patreon link. We uh, picked up a, uh, you know, we actually picked up a patron or two after the last episode. So wow. must have done something right. So we appreciate you guys for showing up. Um, and you can see your names on YouTube. That's one of the one of the massive and I mean valuable Patreon perks is that I, I put your name on the YouTube videos. So <laughs> nice. uh, no, so you can go there. You can go check out the Discord link, all that stuff. Uh, Ryan, Ken, thanks for playing along. Once again, I'll see you guys for book two.